when our daughter Maria was just a couple of years old, Marilyn and I would sing to her every night before she went to sleep. First there were books or a story, then a simple prayer, then songs. Sometimes we would sing hymns to her softly. We'd carry her in our arms and Maria would settle down and put her head on your shoulder and finally fall asleep. One of her favorite songs was the old hymn, Blessed Assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. One night, Maria lifted her head off of my shoulders, looked me in the eyes, wrinkled her nose, and said, Washed in blood? That's yucky. Yeah, that's yucky, I said. Why would somebody get washed in blood, she asked. I paused for a moment and I considered explaining blood sacrifice and the doctrine of the atonement to my two-year-old, but decided against it and launched into the chorus. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Maria put her head on my shoulder and fell asleep. There are lots of references to blood and sacrifice in our text from Exodus today. And the idea of sacrifice is, as Maria said, kind of yucky. But it turns out that this story is central to the identity of the people of God. It marks who they are, reminds them who they are. The beginning of chapter 12 of Exodus goes into great detail about the ritual sacrifice remembered in the Feast of Passover. Every taste of this feast reminds them who they are and from whence they have come. They belong to the God who delivered them from slavery. Every family shall have a lamb or a kid goat, they are told, or they will share one with a neighbor. Then they will all gather on the 14th day of the month. The lambs will be slaughtered at twilight, and the blood of the lambs smeared on the doorposts of each house. The lamb is to be roasted over a fire and eaten the same night, eaten with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. All of the lamb is to be eaten, inside and out. Nothing is wasted. And whatever is left over in the morning is burned. There is a detailed description of what is to be done with and to the lamb, with the blood of the lamb. Why all the detail? The Passover meal, Martin Buber says, has become 
since the night of the Exodus, a history feast. It is a feast that tells a story. It tells the story of an enslaved people who are set free. The blood on the doorposts protects those inside. More than that, the blood is a mark of freedom, a mark of deliverance from death and bondage. The Passover, Buber says, is not just a feast of remembrance. It is a feast, he says, of ever-current contemporaneousness of that which befell the people of God. In other words, the slaughter of the lambs, the blood on the doorposts, is not just something that happened long ago. It's not just freedom given long ago. It is the present experience of freedom lived and claimed now against the odds. Taste is one of the most powerful reminders we have. Taste something and you can go back to a moment in time long forgotten. The past merges with the present. The lamb, the bitter herbs, the unleavened bread are a taste not only of what happened long ago, but also a taste of what is happening now. It is a reminder not only of what God has done, but what God is doing now, of what God can do now. You shall eat this meal, the Lord tells Aaron and Moses, with your loins girded, with your sandals on, with your staff in your hand. In other words, get dressed and be ready to go. Get ready to leave your bondage behind. Eat quickly, for your deliverance is coming. Soon after this, the angel of death will visit every family and those whose house is not marked with the blood of the lamb those who have oppressed others will have their own hearts broken. Every generation who celebrates the Passover, Buber says, becomes one with that first generation and every generation that follows. The blood of the lamb is a mark of protection and freedom. With the blood of the lamb, the people are set free and given strength for the journey ahead. And the ritual sacrifice of innocent lambs at the Feast of the Atonement is a reminder of the merciful God who delivers them from death and a broken past from which they cannot escape by themselves. The blood of the lamb, rather than being smeared on a doorpost, is sprinkled on the altar by a priest. And in this sprinkling, ritually covers the sins of the people, hides them from God, there to be remembered no more. What they have done is forgotten. It no longer binds them to a dead past, but instead sets them free. The feasts of Passover and Atonement are feasts of remembering and forgetting.
they are not feasts of denial, but feasts of acknowledgement, feasts of memory that once they were slaves and they were set free. And the same God who delivered them long ago will deliver them now. For Christians, of course, this story is seen through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, whom John the Baptist called the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus himself at the Passover feast speaks of his own death, talks about the shedding of his own blood as something that is necessary. His blood on the cross is a mark of freedom, a sacrifice the writer of Hebrews says is once and for all. As the blood of the lamb covered the sins of the people and set them free, so the blood of Christ covers our sins once and for all and sets us free. There is no greater love, Jesus said, than to give your life for your friends. And that's what he does. This is my body, he tells them, breaking bread. This is my blood, he says, lifting and blessing the cup. This is my blood shed for you. At the cross, the Passover cup becomes the cup of atonement, the cup of God's reckless love and the mark of our freedom. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. The cross is about remembering and forgetting. And in the remembering and in the forgetting, we are set free. The cross gives us a refuge. Forgiveness changes nothing, and it changes everything. When we are forgiven, we are no longer bound by what was or what might have been. The power of the past is broken forever. In acknowledging what didn't work, we can let go and move on. But sometimes, Denial gets in the way. The whole law, Paul said, is summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. When you love your neighbor as yourself, this assumes that you know yourself inside and out. It assumes that you will see in your neighbor your own weakness and your own strength. Loving your neighbor as yourself, you assume the best and not the worst motives in others. In your freedom, you can pray with Jesus on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. Loving your neighbor, you will speak truth in love. You will hold truth and love together. As I've said many times, Truth without love is destructive, but love without truth is empty. 
When you love your neighbor as yourself, you will love them as they are, not in spite of what they are. There you begin. When you love your neighbor as yourself, you will talk to them, not about them. The cross, remember, is an intersection, not a triangle. And when you love your neighbor as yourself, you will, in your freedom, first take up your own cross. It's not our job to give others their cross or to shame them into repentance. Our job is simply to love them and with that love and mercy, the very love and mercy of God, to set them free. So we come to our gospel text. Jesus tells his disciples, when a brother or sister sins against you, hurts you, don't talk to someone else. Go speak to them alone. Speak truth in love. And if they won't listen to you, then and only then do you bring someone else with you to talk to them, both of you speaking truth in love. This reads like an intervention in a family that is being destroyed by addiction. And if they still will not listen, Jesus says, then and only then do you bring others into the conversation and you all speak truth in love. If they still will not listen, you draw healthy boundaries and you make clear that there will be no more trust until things change. The goal, beginning to end, is to set them free, to restore the relationship, to gain them back, as Jesus says. Sometimes to gain someone back, you must first let go. The ultimate letting go is the cross of Jesus, a sacrifice freely given. We can take it or leave it. If you take it, you are choosing freedom. If you leave it, you remain in bondage. Jesus tells his disciples, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus sets us free and has given us the power to set others free to set them loose, to release them from the dead ends of what has been. Think about that as you receive the bread and cup. As we come to the table today, we remember the God who in Christ died to set us free from the bondage of hopelessness, who heals our breaking and broken hearts. What is binding you today? Maybe you are bound by fear, or maybe you are bound by anger, or maybe you are bound by despair in the midst of what seems like an endless pandemic, in the midst of violence and racial hatred, in the midst of an economy that is broken and collapsing, in the midst of toxic politics. Maybe you are bound by estrangement from those you love, 
or the reality that your life is not what you thought it was going to be. Maybe you are bound by grief. Bring them all to the table today and lay them down. Here the God of mercy and love will set you free. And having been set free, we can get on with setting others free. With Fanny Crosby, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with God's goodness, lost in God's love. So may it be. Amen.